Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin, and this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Perennials. What's it like going from elementary school teacher to five-star rated dog walking and pet care business? How do you define your client and what does it mean to read between the lines of client expectations? Today, Carla Tittle, owner of Texas Rough House, joins the show to talk about her transition into the industry, how she applies her skills from her previous line of work to her new career, and what keeps her going through tough times. Let's get started. Yes. Um, so thank you for having me and reaching out to me. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Carla Tittle, and I am the owner of Texas Rough House. We are a pet sitting and dog walking company um, based out of the Austin, Texas area. And uh, we have been in business since 2015. Now, 2015, what changed back then and, and why did you decide it was time to start a pet sitting company? Yeah, well, it was not on my radar. I am. <laughs> um, it's an interesting story. So I am an educator. I was an elementary educator, um, instructional coach, and um, in the administration department um, when I finally left the education field. I was ready for a break, a little sabbatical, and I had regularly taken years off with my kids. And so this time I was on another break, and my mom had actually retired from her retail job. And she she said, "Um, "I think I'm I think I'm gonna you know start pet sitting." And I was like, "That's I think that's a great idea for you. That would that's." that would really fit your life right now. I think that's great. And she was like, but do you think like, is that something people need? Like, is that, do you think that, you know, that's, that's viable? And I was like, no, definitely. Yes. People are always asking about that in my neighborhood, you know, in my neighborhood uh, Facebook page, people are always asking for a pet sitter and I can refer everyone here to you. And, um, so she was actually only going to be doing a uh, daycare and boarding out of her home in Austin. And so while I was off of work, I was going over just hanging out with her every day because my kids were in school. And so I had time and, um, I actually really liked what she was doing. It was actually fun. Um, you know, much better than dealing with, uh, adults or faculty meetings. (laughs) And so I was like, you know, I think I'm going to do this too while I'm on break. So Mm. at that point, you know, I kind of went spare time in my spare time and serving as her backup, taking care of dogs in my home. And my parents actually were, were like at first asking me, okay, what are you doing? Like you have a, you have a degree, you need to go back to work. This is not, you know, <laughs> this isn't a, a, a career for you. Yeah. And, um, you know, like most of us think it's not a career. Um, I mean, it's a trade, um, but it is a career. It can be right. a career. So I, I kind of had to convince my parents that there's actually a really good opportunity here. Um, there's an, there's a business opportunity here. This is a need and I'm not really going back to education. I really don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I kind of stumbled on this journey, um, of pet sitting and then, and, you know, moved into a part-time, you know, working more part-time and, you know, just kind of increasing the, my availability until, um, I finally to make a business, run it as a business and grow it as a business. Um, and even that took time because even when I started and when I, when I finally decided that I was going to work it as a business, as an it full, 
you know, as an income to me, um, a lot of people would ask me, well, what do you mean? Like, are you going to have a facility? It's kind of hard for people out industry to understand all of the different realms of pet sitting. Yeah. Yeah. So here I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is. It's. It, they're very murky waters from the outside mm-hmm. to understand. Oh, pet sitter, and a lot of people are trying to match. Okay, where? Wh- what's the closest thing I have to that? And yeah, usually it is a boarding or a kennel kind of facility, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then to have to go back and explain, like, no, no, like I'm, I'm a little different. We'll still, still take care of pets, but it's going to be different. And I think I love how yes. you mentioned that. There was a lot of skepticism, at least from people you were telling, about it being a true career uh, because it's not something that people go to school for. There's not training that you can go through and things like this. So how was it overcoming maybe that as viewing it as a career and and recognizing yourself as a a professional in it? Right. You know, even for me... I, I struggled with it, like, you know, thinking, uh, I, I don't have any trained veterinary experience. You yeah. know, I have a business degree as an accountant before I was a teacher. Um, you know, I'm just a mom or I'm just a teacher. You know, what do I really know? But I know a lot. I know mm. because my life experiences have taught me a lot and I continue to learn. So I kind of like getting back to your original question. Um, how did I overcome, you know, the skepticism, you know, it took a while for my parents, um, years actually (laughs) for them to stop asking when I was going to return to education. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what I did is I really just started sharing my accomplishments, Mm. um, with them and with my friends and and my community. And then you know, we kind of went from there, really establishing a name for ourselves. Well, so on your name, uh, I'd love to know how you came up with <laughs> Texas Roughhouse and what the stories right. behind that. <laughs> so I still have the original list of business names. You know, you're kind of oh. sketching out. Yeah. You know, what could we be called? You know, I know Monkey Bunch, yeah. um, Pet City. You're kind of throwing out different words. Um, different ideas. You want to see if it's first available. Is it an established name? Is it an available name? Does that name, do I like the name? Does that name fit, you know, the future that I want to go? Is it um, like, I, I knew that I didn't want it to have my personal name because I'm always thinking long-term. I knew that I was not going to be the only employee. Mm-hmm. Maybe at some point I'll sell this business. I don't know, but I, I didn't want it attached to my personal name. Um, so I had a bunch of, I had a list of names going out. And so I knew that I wanted to, to have dog and, you know, some kind of dog, you know, you're, you're playing around with all the dogs, like canine dog, um, pooch pup, you know, you're, you're listing all these different, um, associations, word associations with it. And, uh, one of the list of names was Texas rough house that I kind of put out there because it served, you know, the house aspect. And then it had aspect in there. It's kind of a play on words because there's a restaurant called Texas Roadhouse. Yeah. And so we're Texas Rough House. <laughs> uh, so it was kind of played along with that. I wanted it to roll off your tongue. I wanted it to be, um, you know, appealed to Texas. Like, t- I'm sure, I don't know really if other states are like this, but there is a lot of pride in Texas <laughs> and everything related to Texas. We have the Texas stars everywhere. We fly, like, flag flies at the same, flies at the same height as the U.S. flag. I don't know if, if, um, you know, other listeners are aware of that, but that is allowed here. So there's a lot of pride in Texas and 
that's how the name kind of evolved. It just fit all the different categories that I was looking for. Mm. The name is, it's really important, uh, at least for, for you, the owner, to be able to, to connect with mm-hmm. that. And I, and I love how you were also thinking of how am I going to connect with clients and how do I get, uh, take part in this, this culture, this pride that people have and let them know that that's what I believe too, or that's where we are. You know, we're in Texas, we're taking part in that. Uh, and it, and it is, it, it's very tricky to figure out and walk that line between, you know, something that I like versus something that's going to connect with the clients and it's going to have legs to it because yeah, when you're just starting, it's like, I don't know where this is going to end up 10, 15 years from now. Uh, yeah. so, you know, you do, it, it does take some time to, th- to think through, uh, what, what you want. Right. And I think it's okay also to like change it and tweak it because when you're first starting a business, you have no idea what branding is. You're still, you're constantly <laughs> evolving your brand. And so, you know, don't, don't overthink it too much. Um, sure. But I think, you know, once we really settled on it and once we built the, the reputation with the name, uh, we did actually get it trademarked. So, uh, oh, yeah. so we're committed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good point. As many times we start with a name and then we try and fit a brand to it later versus finding what yeah. our brand is and then making a name that comes from that. And I think that's, we yeah. kind of find ourselves in those transitory periods of whether we try and apply to the, the, the brand, to the name, if that works, you know, like it did mm-hmm. with you, you're like, okay, this is what we're actually going to be. And when it doesn't, that's when you go, okay, how can I change this or what other elements can mm-hmm. I pull in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, you know, you, you mentioned that your background was in education uh, and that you, you you really didn't have a lot of, of of running a pet sitting company and business. So what was it like in that transition and transferring those kind of skills or what did you find that was most helpful for you when you first started? Yeah, so even as an educator, I ha- I I'm always thinking of a business opportunity always my whole life. Oh, I can make a business out of this. Oh, this is a need. I can make a business out of this. So even as an educator, I started and ran um, like preschool camps in the summer. Uh, I did private tutoring. And everything that I've learned about running a classroom and teaching, you know, 22, six-year-olds or, you know, 10-year-olds, all of that I just transferred over to running a business. Mm. So how do I schedule? How do I really read between the lines? How do I form a diagnose like a not a diagnosis, but how do I observe what's going on with the pets? How do I observe a conversation that I'm having with a client? Because I would have to, I would have to read between the lines a lot in um, speaking with parents of children. You know, so what are what am I listening for? Um, I can sit down with a six year old and you know read with him for twenty minutes and tell you exactly what he needs. So it's kind of doing the same thing, bringing that aspect to listening to pet parents talk about their home and their pets and what they're needing. That reading between the lines, that is a real skill because I think a lot of times, at least we've encountered this, is the pet parent doesn't even know what they want, right? They have no clue what's going on. They just know (laughs) that they're leaving and something has to happen with their pet. (laughs) Right. They They know maybe what they've experienced in the past and what they're looking for now. Um, And sometimes they they really don't know what they need. You know, um, we all consider our pets our children, um, but there is a humanizing aspect sometimes <laughs> placed on them. Um, and so we have to flip the switch a little bit. Yeah, I think that's the biggest flip is is this anthropomorphizing mm-hmm. of these mm-hmm. of the, what the 
pet is doing and realizing, mm-hmm. okay, actually that, that may be coming from the pet parent. And so when they're not here yeah. or when these things are going on, we may have mm-hmm. a, a different outcome or, you know, I've got to communicate this a little bit differently because as you brought up, like they've had this past experience where they're expecting something or maybe positive or negative that they're going to be bringing into this next encounter with me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so, so you are near Austin, and I'd love for you to tell us about what that market is like for you and, and what it's like connecting with your clients. Yeah. So I've been in Austin since 1997 when I came to college, and it has always been pet-friendly, dog-friendly. Uh, you know, this, this primarily used to be a college town. It was very different than it is now, but a lot of the original, you know, vibe is still here. Yeah. So Austin loves their animals more probably than any other Texas city. And so there's a lot of need and a market. I'm always thinking about the market, what your market wants. So there's a need for what I see is pet owners looking for things to do with their pets, looking for their pets to have the best in, um, you know, accessories in care, um, in experiences. So there's a Austin has changed a lot in the the population, the makeup of the population, but it hasn't changed the love of animals. How are you finding out what your clients' needs are? You know, you're saying they they love pets, they yeah. they they have these expectations. How do you go about finding how you can fulfill those and what does that process look like for you? Yeah. I would say that half of it is easy because half of it is me. I am that person, but the other half is not me. That's the, you know, the younger generation, the millennials, that is the one that I honestly struggle with. Um, you know, that I have to learn and keep up with my children are in that age bracket. And also I, you know, I, I, I try to stay in tune and learning, really learning about what they need, but primarily, you know, we service the suburban dog mom and that's Mm. me. So I am the PTO mom or PTA mom. I am the mom that used to travel for sport. I'm the mom that takes vacations. And so that is our same client. They have their year planned out. They have their, you know, they travel for sports. They're gone during the day, but they do not want their dog to miss out on any fun. So their dog goes with them when they go to, you know, certain restaurants or shop on shopping trips. Um, and so when they're ha- when they have to be away, they don't want their dog to miss out on any of the fun. Mm. Yeah, well, and being able to connect with them, as you said, it's easy because half mm-hmm. that's you. And I know Megan and I mm-hmm. find that a lot of like, oh, that's the easy part. That's who we can yes. connect with. That's where messaging <laughs> is 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 the best because we're dog parents. And I know how to talk that lingo to people our age or in similar interest. It's yeah. as we start to branch out, all of a sudden it's like, oh, how do I, who, uh, let's, re- let's figure this out and staying up to date or doing different things because, you know, for us, our inclination is always to go, oh, let's post it on social media. Let's post it on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> Real, but sometimes forgetting, uh, there are huge swaths of our clients who they don't, ever, they don't even have any of that or they never check it. That's not oh, how yeah. they use it. So we've got to change yeah. our behavior yeah. to meet their expectations too. Right, right. And I do have um, you know, a few of our uh, pet sitters on our team. They're, they're younger, for 20s. They're not on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. So I'm always asking. <laughs> Um, you know, like, well, how do you do a reel? You, show me how to do that. Can you just, you know, film that, you know, while we're at an event, you know, things like that. So I'll look to them to see what's hot. 
<laughs> well, yeah, you have to find the you have to find that are good at things that you're not good at. <laughs> have you heard of Time to Pet? Chrisanne from Raining Cats and Dogs has this to say: Becoming a Time to Pet client has been a game changer for us. We can give our pet services clients real-time, cloud-based information they never imagined they'd be interested in. And most importantly, to me personally, I can better manage my company and look forward to more. And not a small thing, Time to Pet is responsive to my request for new features and modifications to existing ones. Looking for a new pet sitting software? Give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timedpet.com forward slash confessional. Once you've found your client's expectations, I know something that, that you really strive and work hard is then exceeding the expectations. So what does it mean to exceed a client's expectations for you? It's raising the bar on what we do. You know, it does go back to reading between on what they're saying and what they're needing. And that alone, like that really helps us exceed their expectations. Like they didn't know we were going to do that. They didn't know that their dog could do certain things. Some of the things that really, I think, set us apart is the variety on our team. Mm. A lot of our teammates have, or, you know, our, our pet sitters, they have different experiences in, in um, animals, with animals. Um, so we have someone that has, you know, can be an expert in that area that we can ask questions or, or can teach us about the type of care that that kind of animal needs or experiences. So there's, you know, there's moms on our team, there's grandmas on our team, there's um, a single, like, you know, a pet mom or a plant mom is on our team. So just exceeding the, <laughs> yeah, exceeding the client's expectations because they've, they've, um, you know, whether they've had a bad experience in the past or they're trying a pet city, uh, you know, pet sitter for the first time, we really want to blow, blow them away, you know, blow them away with the type of service that we deliver through our communication, obviously reliability and, uh, you know, the enrichment that we're bringing at every visit. Yeah. Well, and part of that is, you know, what you're saying there is you're blowing them away because you're taking their expectations and completely like taking it to a whole new level where they didn't even know that was possible. And I love how you lean on the strengths of your staff, your, your, your team members to make that an integral part of that experience for them of going, you like basically to the client. So you have no idea what's possible. Look at all the expertise, mm-hmm. the experience that we have. And that's the strength that we're pulling from. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got a really diverse team. I know you started by yourself and you didn't feel like you were yeah. going to be by yourself for long. So what, walk us through that first hire and kind of what, maybe lessons that you took from that. You know, my first hire is amazing. Every hiring experience for me has been really, really good. <laughs> um, and I think that's why, you know, I'll be honest, that is a, a hesitation and a fear of mine is hiring. And I really need to get over that. So my very first hire, and all, all but one person on our team was a referral mm-hmm. to us. My first hire was a friend of a friend um, who happened to retire as a veterinary technician, and he, uh, the sitter uh, she hired um, retired as a veterinary technician, and you know was looking for something to do. I met with her, and she is still with me. So she was my very first hire, I don't know, four or five years ago, and she's still Uh on our team. And every other person on our team has been a referral from someone I know, which I've been very, very blessed in that regard. Well, all except for one. Yeah, so only one um, staff member. She found us, but I love her. I mean, I love everyone on our team, and (laughs) I'm just so... I have been so lucky in that area, and... um, 
you know, I, I, I need to hire. We still, <laughs> we're still growing and we need to hire. And I just hope everyone can be as fabulous as um, every other applicant that I've had. <laughs> <laughs> well, so do, do you still have a little bit of fear each time you hire of whether they're going to work out and whether it's going to be a good thing for your, for your team? Yes. Yes. Although we spend a lot of time working with our, our new hires, you know, before we release them, um, independently, um, I'm, you know, it, it is, it, it is a careful balance, I think for me, because it's, it's such an independent job. You know, they're not working in retail with supervision or, or other people around. And, and, uh, and we worked really, really hard, you know, thanks to the, everyone on our team. Um, we have an outstanding reputation to uphold in, in our communities. And I know that our community members are trusting us with who is coming into their house when they're gone. And so I take that very seriously. It it is very daunting to realize that this person is walking out there with my reputation and my business's mm-hmm. reputation on their shoulders. Like they are a mm-hmm. true representative. And I guess that falls back on on us to make sure we've done the training, yes. we've done the screening, we've done all those process processes the best we know how. Yeah. Because at some point you you, you gotta let them loose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We do. You know, it's like children. You know, uh, like my kids are teenagers and and uh and you have to teach like them and then my six-year-olds, my students, I, I teach them what I know and I send them on their way. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not here to do 12th grade, uh, you know, pre-calculus. That's not me. So it's the same thing with my team. I train them as much as I can. I train them to be independent. Um, and it all just comes from experiences or they could, you know, they're still going to call with a certain question. You know, there's a I'm doing this, obviously, thousands upon thousands of times. And, I, you know, I'd I, 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 I'd almost say there's nothing I haven't seen yet um, in a house or an experience. And uh, so you just kind of have to go, go, go through that, go through the experience of it. And then you <laughs> learn from it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So what are you, what are you doing now? You know, you're looking to hire now. Um, are you doing anything differently in your hiring process uh, given the, the market and new hires expectations? I'm trying not to think that hiring is going to be hard because everywhere around, and Texas is fully open. We have been open and we are not closing. Um, <laughs> and so, um, but, you know, if I was to focus on what I see in other businesses around me, like the restaurant industry took mm. a huge hit. They're closing restaurants, they're closing mom and pop shops. Uh, restaurants are closing closing certain days, even Taco Bell in my, in my, um, in my area, like the entire restaurant had to close because they didn't have enough staffing. So I see higher, you know, I see other businesses and industries, um, going through, um, this obstacle of hiring and being able to get anybody to work. And so I have to just think in my mind that the reason that they, they are not able to employ is because a lot of the, I guess, applicants want flexibility. They don't want to be in a, a populated building. Mm. They want to freelance more. So I'm choosing to focus on that and that that's actually going to make my hiring easier. Oh, no, that's that's really well said of looking at what what problems are they having and not internalizing mm-hmm. those and going, oh, I'm going to have those same problems. And mm-hmm. instead, looking at the strengths that the position offers and really playing that up in the communication and the posting. Yeah. Um, because that's that's what's going to be connecting with them because that's what they're they're wanting to hear that. 
Right. So, you know, and it's a test. You got, you got to test the market. I think you have to see what are they wanting? What I'm seeing now, you know, I was telling some friends is on some of the Facebook groups, I see people that are looking for a job. They're writing their own hiring ad. You know, they'll say, I am looking for a work from home job that pays um, no less than 20 hours a week. And I cannot, not available on weekends. Who do you know that's hiring? You know, people now want to write their own and maybe they can, you know, but that's very different generation. Like I'm in my forties. So that's a very different generation. So at first I think, okay, well, we're just going to write our net. Okay. So let's take a look at that. So, you know, you've got to see what the market wants. What is the market wanting? What are they needing? And mm. offer them that. Mm. Oh, that's interesting because many times we only think about that when we're referring to our clients. And mm-hmm. we very rarely think about, okay, what's the market like in the job pool that I'm pulling from? And how do mm-hmm. I speak their lingo? How do I attract them with certain things that that's still going to work for my business? Obviously, I don't need to completely change and not run the business I want to run anymore. But I do need to recognize that these expectations are changing on the hiring pool. And I've got yeah. to be be sensitive to that. Right. Right. So when you're, when, when you're hiring people, how do you know if they're a good fit? For rough, what are you looking for in somebody who's going to make a good fit with Texas Roughhouse? For us, first and foremost, I want somebody that is has attention to detail, communicates uh, clearly, and then after that is reliable. You know, I know I know work life balance is very important for me personally, and I want to make sure that also is experience, you know, experiences a work-life balance as well. And so that they're happy and healthy. I'm also queuing in. I'm always asking also new hires how busy they want to be so that I can match. And I also my current team, I'm always checking in with them. Like, how busy do you want to be? Are you busy enough? Do you need some time? Do you want to be less busy? So, um, I'm always looking to find also in, in a new hire. Where does that desire come for you to have a, a good work-life balance? Is that from past experiences or just seeing people around you, you know, burn out yeah. or go through bad stuff? Yeah, totally from my experiences. I mean, that's why I left education. Yeah. Uh, that's why I took, I frequently took a year, you know, regularly took a year off um, from work just because it's, it's just such a demanding career. Education, you know, teachers, it's, 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 unfortunately, it's, it's such a, I wouldn't say it's a thankless job. It is, they are very thankful. Our community is very thankful of teachers, but good teachers really work themselves, work themselves down. And it's very easy for pet sitters to do that as well. And, and I've done it to myself. Um, and so I've learned as a pet sitter and as a pet sitting business, you know, as an owner to plan my time off. It doesn't matter what you mark off you mark off whatever days in a calendar, you're still going to get requests for that day. And I think you talked about this in one of the other podcasts recently also. Um, It doesn't matter what days you mark off, you're still going to get requests for that day. Don't worry about it. Move forward. But plan your year, you know, that you're taking monthly days off, you know, regular, that you have days marked off each month, quarterly time off, a longer stretch of time off, um, and that you're you're reaping the the fruit of your labor because pet sitting is a very labor-intensive job. Yeah. mentally as well. Yeah. 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 It's a very passionful business where we're always mm-hmm. you know, throwing our whole selves 
at it. And when we don't mm-hmm. take that time to step back, and I think it's important too to remember that it's not just for us. You know, if we have staff, if we have team members, to provide them with those same opportunities because we mm-hmm. want them to be around year after year with us or for as long as they're able. And we don't want to be burning them out at, you know, for our benefit. We want to make sure that they're taken care of and they have a healthy life as well. Yeah. 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 And, and it is scary uh, to, to go over to your calendar and put big, you know, line through days because, you know, you just know it's like, this is the best way to get business that weekend is I'm just going to not be here. And because, you know, yeah. it's, <laughs> you want to yeah. manifest work for yourself, go take yeah. a week off and you'll just get more bookings than you ever dreamed yeah. of. And, yeah. to have to, and to have to say no to that, it's really, you got, it, it's so hard for us because, you know, my brain always go, look at all the money I'm losing out mm-hmm. on. Yeah. versus look at all the mental health I'm building or the mental wealth that I'm gaining on the back end of that. And sometimes those don't always weigh the same in that moment, but we've got to be thinking long-term, not just that weekend. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to plan off. I used to, my old, like, I guess, approach was knowing that I was going to take the time off after a holiday. I was going to take advantage of the holiday, either work the holiday, you know, work the holiday, but I knew I was going to be off following that holiday. But then you get to a point where maybe you don't want to work every holiday anymore. So you want to mark that that off as well. Yeah. And not being afraid to. And I think that again, yeah. we talk about, you know, working through our fears of hiring and then this fear of taking time off because we feel like we're going to lose out on something. Yeah. Because then you negotiate with your with yourself and you're like, well, it's just one dog. I mean, I'm going to be here anyway. <laughs> um, you know, he might, I might as well just board him. Or, well, he's real easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'll just go over there. Oh, it's just a cat. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, but it's, it's also training yourself and retraining yourself and, and allowing yourself, you know, why did you get, why did you start this business? Did you start it because of flexibility? You know, always going back to the reason that you started it. And is that allowing you the flexibility, the rest, the income, the whatever reason you started this business? But you're right. I think always going back and comparing to the why, and you gave us that's a great example of going, I got into this to be because of the flexible schedule. We all talk about that. But then if we look at our calendar, would we go, is, is this a flexible schedule? Is this, is this what I wanted? <laughs> and, and I think, truthfully, we'd have to say, no, this is not the flexible right. schedule that I wanted. But we yeah. feel like, oh, well, I guess I have to do this because that's just what I do now, instead mm-hmm. of realizing that it, can be, it could be different. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> of all the services that you offer, I know one of them is that you don't offer overnight visits. To, to, to clients' homes. And I was curious why that is. Right. Although we used to, there, we found that there's, there was only a few people on our team that wanted to do that. Mm. And we got to a point where it was becoming hard to fill that reservation request. Um, just based on the demand and based that we only had two people to do, you know, that were available um, for that type of service. So, you know, this is again where we have to play with the market. The market really loves that. They like it. A lot of people really like that service. They 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 think that their dog needs someone to sleep with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, you'll hear that they'll they'll tell you, oh well, my dog, I really want someone to be here when they're sleeping. They're used to sleeping with me. Um, you know, they they because they've had that in the past. And this is where I really struggled because although the market wants that. Are we able to charge enough for it? Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that someone ha- um, helped me realize was, does the CEO love it as much? Mm. 
So for me, it was becoming more of a stress point just because I was having to turn, you know, tell clients that we were not able, we're not available, or I'm not sure yet, you know, we'd have to check. Um, and I didn't want that. I didn't, I didn't want having to disappoint them and let them down. So um, in, a, in another regard, you know, as a business, what I've learned from Natasha is, you know, everything that you do, it has to be reproducible. It has to be like, anybody can step in and do that. Can anybody step in and do that? Because I, as the owner, cannot continue to be the backup person. I can't. And honestly, as a pet sitter, I, don't, I never provided that service when I was independent. And so um, that's not one thing to do. So it has to fit the market, but then the market has to fit the CEO and it has to fit what the business can offer. Um, so instead, what we do when 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 customers do uh, call to request that type of when customers call to request that type of service, we or I, you know, we spin it around and we let them know that our pet sitting visits mimic a typical day for your pet, and so we can provide you know longer visits in the morning, longer visits at night um, to compensate their typical day. You know, so they might go for a long walk, have breakfast the morning with their owners, go out again, lunch, afternoon, and then evening might be another long walk, playtime, dinner, wind down. So our pet sitting visits mimic that typical day that your dog experiences. We get people who ask us all the time for like for boarding or for daycares with us. They want That's what they want. Because again, they're used to this idea of when I leave, I take my dog somewhere and that's where they shall be. And initially, when we would try and convert them to a different service of, you know, convert them over to drop-ins or the kind of things that you're discussing there, we always felt like we were providing a, in the client's mm-hmm. mind, we were providing a worse alternative for them. We were giving them a second tier kind of service. Right. And, and it really does take a little bit of education to help them realize, mm-hmm. we're, we're, no, we're, this isn't, we're not cutting corners. There's nothing second tier about this. This is actually the perfect service for you. And a lot of times, you know, people get it immediately and other people takes mm-hmm. a little bit for them to figure out, oh, okay, that'll like that actually works and I and I like what's gonna happen with that better. So there is that that education that has to take place when you're trying to flip right. to a new service. Right. Absolutely. You do have to educate them and show them, explain to them, tell them, paint the picture for them of what the visits are going to look like, yeah. what their dog is going to experience, you know, from physical exercise, you know, you know, they're going to have, they're going to get physical exercise. You're going to get their basic training reinforced. They're going to, we're going to bring puzzles, you know, enrichment, you know, mental enrichment games for them. So they'll go to bed happy and healthy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Cause you, again, you're, you're trying to reading between the lines of those clients mm-hmm. needs and, and speaking to maybe some unspoken fears that they have or anxieties and worries that they're bringing forward. And one way again of going above and beyond is knowing okay boom i've already got that covered and this is how it's going to happen and the the reaction i'm sure from people is like oh okay great that sounds that 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 works for me right and you know we also get the other extreme of like sometimes we get calls with customers who only want one visit per day because their dog is going to use the doggy door mm. and so that's another one that we have to overcome and explain and and maybe educate a little bit about how that this is not going to allow us to um, really deliver the type of service that that we deliver. Yeah, it really is. It's it's amazing. You know, a lot of people get in this business because we love pets, we love being outdoors, we love the flexible schedule. But how quickly we turn into 
educators and mm-hmm. and and advocates for people's pets who they didn't even know needed to be advocated for. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just, you know, if they're requesting a service that you don't offer, spin it around. Mm. Explain to them what they're going to get with your service. And, you know, we can try it and see how it works. You know, we'll be doing X number of visits per day. And if we find that that may not, you know, that your dog may require a little bit more, we'll be sure to communicate with you and offer, you know, another visit or more, more of whatever he's needing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being flexible and adapting to, mm-hmm. to, to that particular client's needs, obviously within reason of, of what you're right. able to oh, do and schedule. Yes. <laughs> schedule <it>. yes. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to offer to end up just staying there, but yeah, right. we, can, we can try it. Everything deserves a trial. I, I did want to touch on um, a, a big loss that your pet yeah. community suffered recently. Um, I know we saw it in the news and going around um, several different Facebook groups and such. So could you could you tell us a little bit about, about that and how it's impacted everyone in the pet care community um, down by you? Right. So it was a local boarding and daycare facility. Yeah, you know, just a small, uh, or I wouldn't say small. They're not a. I mean, they're they're just a local business. Yeah. Um, they're not a franchise. Um, they was a fire in the facility that started. I would say around ten or eleven p.m. They haven't released any information regarding the cause of the fire, um, or you know, if it was really what the cause of the fire was has not been released um, by the authorities. But the firefighters did arrive, uh, you know, within the time, I guess. But however, oh my God, it's so sad. Um, all of the, the I think there was up to 75, yeah. they all perished. Um, what the news has, or, you know, the, the authorities have released is that it was due to smoke inhalation. It was a metal uh, which is a very common uh, metal type building. Um, it's very common in um, facilities. It was that type of building. So although the building did sustain some damage, um, structurally it's you know still there. So uh, I they didn't have anyone working, or uh, I shouldn't say that because I really don't know the yeah. the backstory. But um, that's what has what has happened, and what I've seen um, from the local community is a lot of support for the pet owners and the pet business owner, the, the business owner. Um, he was very well loved in, in his community, um, had a very good reputation. So locally, like the suburb community, Georgetown, from what I've seen has been very supportive of him. However, um, you know, the pet community does want to see changes. The pet parent community wants to see more changes in, in regulations for um, boarding facilities mm-hmm. regarding staffing and um, safety as well as what I'm seeing. How do you, as, as a business owner, communicate and talk about that kind of thing with clients um, and, and, and talk them through the process and, and what all that looks like? Yeah. Um, so part of it is really communicating how, you know, what the regulations are currently. And yes, they can't and how most of it is unregulated. And so there's the regulations that are there may not be to the standard of uh, uh, what, what would be considered for like a human 
care type aspect or, you know, a child daycare center versus a pet daycare center. You know, here, um, animals are still considered property. Um, so there's different regulations and policies that come with that as well of requirements. And what I've seen is just the, you know, there's petitions for change as far as safety and staffing. Mm. Um, so for, for clients who, who are asking about that, we just try to educate them on the current laws and what, what could be improved. Yeah, I know that there's a lot of conversations going on about mm-hmm. what they were, what they should be versus what people mm-hmm. want them to be. And I can't imagine being a business that's also in pet care having to field questions or interact with other businesses to figure out, A, what's going on, and then B, how are we going mm-hmm. to respond and, and, and help mm-hmm. and, 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 as we said, mm-hmm. continue to, to educate not just pet parents, but other business owners as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really tough. Yeah. Because, you know, every business has to, uh, you know, it is, it, it's hard. It, it's a balance because you have to see it from a business perspective on what makes sense. But then you have to have a, a sensitive perspective as well to it. You know, there's two sides to the coin. Yeah. It's a, again, it's a very, um, there's a lot of passion. There's a lot of feelings mm-hmm. and emotions involved in this as, as there mm-hmm. should be because they're people's pets and, and loved, uh, mm-hmm. loved fur babies. Uh, and then, yeah, going, okay, you know, we've got to, we've got to walk all these lines. And I, and I think, I hope that this is part of mm-hmm. getting a lot of people to talk about these things now and, yes. and hopefully be, be better on the back end of this. Yes. And it teaches also, you know, the questions to ask when you're looking for a facility or for any kind of pet care, it improves the the knowledge of the pet owner on what questions are important questions to know and ask. Um, and then, I mean, I really, really feel for the owner, um, you know, they're sensitive, sensitive to what he's going through as well. Whatever, whatever caused it, whatever the reason was behind it, whatever things were in place and and fell through or, or weren't in place. You think about it as a pet sitter, if you've ever had to make a call because a pet escaped or a pet was injured, um, a pet, you know, dog, the owner's dogs got into a fight. The door was open. You know, you came in and something was out of place. All of those calls that you've had to make are terrifying. They're, you, um, you know, they're just encompassed with so much guilt and grief um, for you as the caretaker. So you, you know, you, you multiply that by 75 phone calls that had to be made that morning. And, you know, a lot of people were hurt. Um, The staff, the pet owners, the owner, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. It is. And it's a, it's a reminder that those kind of like accidents happen. And, and that's Mm -hmm. where, we we you know can do the best we can, but at the end of the day, like we've got to be as ready as we can for some things like that. As you mentioned, right. pet gets out, doors left open, there's damage, all those things. It's a reminder to us that okay, like we we need to be ready for for those moments when they occur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it, 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 That's it heavy. Is. <laughs> it is. It is. It is really heavy. It is absolutely heavy. And you know, it's. I'm sure that that kind of thing wasn't even on your radar whenever you first started back in 2015. Oh, uh, yeah. you, you know, just getting into it. So I can't imagine like what what other changes that you've seen or or knowledge of the of the industry has grown. Uh, you've come to know in 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 that time. Oh, so much has changed. 
um, <laughs> you know, you look every experience, uh, God changes the way you do things in your operation. Um, from what you require, you know, it's only going to happen. You try that, that, you know, you think that's only going to happen one time. That's never going to happen again because now we're going to do this. You know, never is a hard word, but, um, you know, you start putting things in place to prevent that from happening again or encourage it, you know, continue to happen. So one of the, you know, for example, like we made a change that we require all dogs to be wearing a well-fitted collar and updated identification tags during the entire time that we're sitting. Uh, you know, we require that we have a working key, um, not just a garage door code, because we experienced the um, fr- this horrific freeze in Texas in February, yeah. <laughs> where we were out of power. It was <laughs> we were out of power for almost four days. We were out of power and water. So, if we had only had a garage door code to enter, we wouldn't have been able to enter the home. So, you know, learning from all of these experiences help us fine tune what we're doing and change our operation. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. And that's part that's part of having that experience. And I'm sure, you know, getting plugged in with other business owners to kind of fast track some of that learning so we don't have to experience everything. (laughs) Yes, yes. You know, a really important question that we learned to ask was are there any other pets in the home that we are not going to be taking care of? Because um, one home had a pet tarantula that escaped his enclosure (laughs) and our pet sitter walked in the front door and there was a tarantula in the entryway. Um, To make matters worse, it was deceased (sighs) and found to have been caused by the cat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, so that that you know brought on an immediate uh, call and communication to the owner, letting them know that there was a tarantula and like why, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. how to- <laughs> so things like that, you know, because <laughs> you know sometimes they're just you know owners are in a hurry, they've got a lot going on before a trip, so it's important to ask as many questions as we can. They have their minds going in a lot of different directions. As and so that's one of the, the most important questions that we ask now is, are there any other pets in the home that we will or will not be taking care of? Yeah, that one was tough. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm writing that one down. We're going to add that to our intake. because uh, Oh, yeah, ask that. <laughs> right now we ask, are there any plants? That you want to think, because a lot of people don't think about plants, and then we don't want them to come back and them all be dead. So we say, hey, do you need us to water any plants? But I didn't ask, do you have any tarantulas hidden in corners that I need to look for? Okay. (laughs) That's perfect. Yeah. Pet Perennials makes it easy as one, two, three, to send a heartfelt condolence gift directly to someone with a broken heart. They have this awesome direct client gift service that takes the effort off of us and ensures a thoughtful, personalized Simply gift reaches our client or employee. All gift packages include a handwritten card, colorful gift wrap, and shipping fees across the U.S. and Canada. They also have an array of milestone gifts and greeting cards that can be sent to celebrate birthdays, extend get well wishes, and welcome new and rescued pets. Additionally, there are gift choices in case you need to send a Simply gift in memory of a special human client or celebrate a pregnancy, engagement, or wedding of a pet lover. If you're interested, register for a free business account to unlock the all-inclusive discounted package prices. 
Since the service is leveraged on an as-need basis, there are no monthly or annual obligation or minimum purchases. Learn more and register by going to petperennials.com slash pages slash GPS and enter the referral code PSC at registration to get a unique coupon code to save $2 off of any package you send in your first 90 days. And I'm, I'm sure over that over those times, and you mentioned one of the hard times that you've had is is the the freeze for four days, which I, which everybody heard about on the news, and then the the atrocity that that was for many. You know, in in tough times for you, where, where do you go, or or how do you keep going when 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 things get hard? Yeah, you know, there's different types of hard things that have happened to us from the onset of the pandemic. Um, you know, last year. That happened for us here in Texas right at spring break, right when it was starting. So we lost all of our spring break reservations. April, we lost 90% of our revenue. Mm. And I just had to, I had to think quick and I had to, okay, they're not traveling. They're staying home. What do they need right now? They need their dog exercised because they're on Zoom calls and their kids are on Zoom school. So we can offer still dog walking and we can offer yard time, playtime. We can offer poop scooping. We can offer dog bathing. We can offer anything that we can to take something off their plate. And a lot of our clients wanted a way for them to support. They wanted to find a way that they could support us. So this is a way that they could support us. Um, also, we, we thought, you know, I just had to think, what, what do they need that they don't know they need? Yeah. Um, and again, looking back at what I'm currently going through, you know, what am I going through? My kids are here. My husband's here. Um, you know, the dogs are barking and people are on a zoom call and screaming at each other from one house, you know, one room to another to get out, stop streaming. I, I can't get a connection. So, you, you know, do they need their dog barking, uh, when they're on a zoom call? No. So we had to, we had to pivot there. Um, and I, you know, I say hustle, but we really did have to pivot and hustle to keep things going. Mm-hmm during that time, you know, and I turned to y'all, I turned to the podcast. I learned so much. I just ate it all up. You know, I ate up everything. I was, I was listening to all the old episodes, um, taking in anything that I could. I was, um, learning up on my craft, you know, pet sitting, you know, trying to get better. So that's, that's where I turned to. I, I just always turned to what do we need? What does my staff need? What do, um, our clients need? And then in the, like, is again, like, how can we continue to, to move forward through this? Because we were currently, it was a holiday weekend here mm-hmm. and we were servicing homes and those owners could not fly back home. Wow. The road, <sighs> yeah. Our airport was shut down. There were no flights. Um, there were, the roads were frozen. They couldn't you know, one of them to fly into Dallas, which is like three hours away and then drive here. Hmm. Um, but so we were dealing with that. And so we said, you know what, we're just going to have to go down to two visits a day. Luckily, I'm so thankful. And I just, and also felt horrible that I was out of state myself because it was a holiday weekend. I was in Colorado <laughs> skiing. <laughs> then I could, I, I, I was not able oh. to enjoy my own vacation. I was crying every day. Um, just yeah. thinking about two of my, um, my sitters who were going on, they were going on with everything, um, that was left here driving as carefully as they could to get to the homes and 
making sure that those animals were taken care of. And then we were having to boil water. So we were boiling water for the pet. It was, it was crazy. And then finally I got back. I told everyone, okay, I'm taking over everything. Y'all stay home. Um, of course the roads were drivable by then because it were back above freezing, but they really deserved some, some time off. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Gosh, I can't. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. And it really sounds like whenever things like that happen, you immediately switch into action and adapting yes. to the situation and really trying to just work your way through and always thinking of new things. Because I know for many people, when tough times come up, we freeze and we stop and we're mm-hmm. in action because we're scared of movement. Is that, do you think it's just how you're wired to just always be, be looking for the next thing and keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing? I think so. Yes. I do have a moment of like panic. Oh my God, what are we going to do? And then I just need a moment. Like I just need to come out of that for a minute and ideas start coming to me, you know, and, and I definitely, uh, you know, to all the pet sitters, if because it, it happens to me, if you are overworked and bogged down for me, I'll just say, I can't think of ideas. I can't get creative. And it's, and then I'm just stuck in this cycle of being overworked and not knowing and thinking about how to get out of my overworkedness, you know, and get to some relief and balance. And so I do have an an immediate like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And then I'll start thinking, I'll go for a walk with a dog or I'll just kind of think, what are other businesses doing? What have I learned in the past? Um, And I, I always look away from pet sitting businesses. I look at other trades, what they're doing. And so that has helped me a lot is I have a lot of different connections. I have a lot of good friends that own many different types of businesses and they've taught me a lot. I see what they, I, you know, think about how I can apply that to pet sitting. I think that's really important to, to continue to take in new information and that idea of not just looking at the pet sitting industry, but looking broader and seeing, Mm -hmm. okay, where's all the, what innovation is taking place? So what, what are some of your favorite resources that you'd like more people to know about? Oh, definitely the podcast. Oh. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I think looking at to, if, if you have a tribe, if you have a really good tribe of um, clients, friends, other businesses that you're connected is to ask them. They are your resource. Um, they have always been a resource for me on... Um, how does this sound? Would this work? Is this a need? What are you doing? Um, what are y'all doing for here? What are y'all hearing at? Because people are hearing and you're hearing about what's going on, um, you know, whether in, in the market, in the neighborhood, in their own networks. Everybody has a different network. Like for me, my network is the PTO moms, the band moms, the sports moms, the suburban. That's my network. If you need anything going on in there, I'm your girl. <laughs> I'm not in other markets, you know, in other networks that my friends are in. Mm. So I'll go to them and ask them, uh, what's going on there? What are you hearing? Um, what are y'all planning? And, uh, so I'm, I'm just been very, very fortunate to have such a supportive family and friends and clients that are always there for us and, and willing to share and uh, connect us, shout, shout us out, all of that. That's where I go to. Yeah. I go to who I know. Yeah. And I think when people will start writing down names, they'll realize that that tribe is an awful lot bigger than we initially expect. And, yeah. and I, I really hope that, because that was a lesson from us that we took away from, from 2020 was 
wow, there are a lot more people out there rooting and cheering for us than I ever imagined. And they came out of the woodwork. And I think we need to continually remind ourselves of that. And then to, to, that it's okay to reach out to them, to ask questions, to see what's going on, to, to do trials or things like that, that that's, you can use those people around you because they, they want to see you succeed. So they're, they're going to be more than happy to do that. Found yourself with the people who want to see you succeed. Well, so on success, you know, you, you're been in business for coming up on, on six years or six years now. Do you feel like you're successful? Do you believe that you, you are successful? Yes, in many areas of my life, but I haven't reached my, I guess, full success. Um, I am successful in the sense that I work from home and that I'm home um, when my children are here, when they come home, I'm successful in that I really can control a lot of my work schedule. I'm successful in that I have an amazing team that works with me and I'm successful in that we have impacted the community in a positive way. So there's many areas that we are successful in. Um, I think, I don't know what true success really looks like. I mean, I know. what the goals I want for us, you know, this year, and we've always, you know, we're almost, I would say, accomplishing all the goals for the business, but there's their goal behind that. Yeah. So it's reaching the next one. I think it is something that we can recognize that I'm successful t- today. It's not always yeah. something that's in the future. Um, and so to hear right. that, yeah, you know what, I, I, I've got all these things going on. This is working for me. It's meeting these goals. I've got more, so it doesn't mean I'm not successful. It just means that I've still there's still more work to do. Yeah. 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 Thinking back over your, your six years in business here, what advice would you have to other pet sitters that you'd, you'd like more people to know about or that, that you would just want to encourage them with? First and foremost, you have to value yourself and what you do. You have to believe in yourself. Not always easy to believe in yourself, but I have friends. And family that believe in me when I can't believe in myself. So again, it's surrounding you with people who want to see you succeed. Um, you know, when I first started, I really underpriced myself and the service that I provided. You know, I thought that since I didn't have a brick and mortar, that I didn't, that I wasn't, I couldn't charge that much. You know, I had to keep low. Um, but your prices are related to the perceived value of your client. So if your client perceives and believes that you are delivering a service, a quality of service, a type of service, everything that encompasses your service, that they're receiving the value for what they're paying for, they're going to pay for that. So I see so many pet sitters, myself included when I started, undervalue themselves. You know, I've heard other people, you know, the entire pet sitting community. When one when one of us undervalues ourselves, it affects everyone else. It devalues the entire industry. And there is a lot to being a pet sitter. It's yes, it's you know, we'd love to say it's loving on puppies, but it's a lot more than that. And so you have to consider that when you're valuing yourself and your business is the time in scheduling, the time in learning, the investment of the time and money in learning, um, your insurances, your association fees, everything that you're doing to improve yourself and the service that you deliver, you have to value that. Because that that time has got to come from somewhere. And and I think you really quickly realize 
where that kind of time, whenever you go maybe to hire somebody and you realize oh. you're like, you're like, Oh wow. There's a lot involved in this. <laughs> what was I doing all that time? <laughs> you know, that happened to me right away. Very soon after I started pet sitting, I, I had to be like every other pet mom. It turned out that our entire family was going out of the country and really nobody was going to be um, available to watch our dog. So I had to go visit other pet sitters homes for boarding. Mm. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So this is what's going on in yeah. other people's homes. This is what they're, this is what my, they're, they're doing this. They're running their business. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, you know, if other people's houses, they're not doing the doing. Oh, okay. This is, this is next level. Okay. <laughs> and, and I also learned that, you know, it, as an educator, when I stepped out of the classroom and I became an instructional coach, um, I was teaching other teachers. And so I would go and observe other classrooms. Mm. And that was eye-opening because I saw what was, you know, the kind of teaching and, and learning that was going on in other classrooms. And I was shocked. So even if you, d- you are a pet sitter and you don't necessarily need your service, test the market and interview other pet sitters and other facilities and see what's going on over there and how maybe it'll help you improve or maybe it'll help you value what you're doing even more. Mm, that's that's a wonderful piece of advice. I, I absolutely agree with that wholeheartedly because it just helps you know what's going on and where you stand and mm-hmm. what you can do to either differentiate or start finding out different clients in different parts of the market too. Well, Carla, I want to thank you so much for joining me today and encouraging us uh, to help persevere through hard times and through seeking out our tribe to be better in all ways. Uh, but I know there's a lot more here. So how can people get connected with you and, uh, and start asking and picking your brain for more questions? Sure. Um, so our website is texasroughhouse.com and as well as our Instagram and Facebook. And anybody can message me there. I'm happy awesome. to help. Wonderful. And I'll have links to that and more of the things that we talked about on the show as well. So wonderful. Thank you so much, Carla. Thanks, Colin. Value yourself and what you do. Those words of wisdom from Carla really strike home to many of us in the pet care industry. And Carla did that from moving into a different career and making it her own to deciding what services that she wanted because she didn't like offering a few of them. When we start to value ourselves and we start to value what we do, we start to hold those boundaries a lot better. We start to charge appropriately for our services and we start to live the life and run the businesses that we want to. Value comes in the form of not just the monetary nature of receiving money for something that we provide. When we value, when we place high esteem upon ourselves and our business and our services, it means we're willing to do things for them. We're willing to sacrifice for them. We're willing to go to bat and go out and talk to people about our business. We're willing to adapt and change and be something different and look towards the future during really tough times. So how do you value yourself? How do you place value on your work? And what does that look like to you? We'd love to hear about that. Send us feedback at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com or anywhere on social media at petsitterconfessional. We want to thank our sponsors, Time to Pet and Pet Perennials for making today's show possible. And really, We want to thank you. Thank you so much for taking your time today and for listening. We hope you've enjoyed it and hope you've learned something from it. Reach out to Carla and talk to her more about her business and what she's done. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. We'll be back again soon.